morning. We you in Jesus' name this morning, the one who rose from the dead. The title of the message this morning is The Power of His Resurrection. Turn with me in your Bibles to John 20, and will you read the John account? It's always challenging to me and just to sit, sit and meditate on what happened many, many years ago. John 20, verse 1. The first day of the week cometh Mary Magdalene early, when it was dark, into the sepulchre, and seeth the stone taken away from the sepulchre. Then she runneth, and cometh to Simon Peter, and to other disciple, whom Jesus loved, and said unto them, They have taken away the Lord out of the sepulchre, and we know not where they have laid him. Peter therefore went forth, and that other disciple, and came to the sepulchre. So they ran together, the other disciple did outrun Peter, and came first to the sepulchre. And he, stooping down and looking in, saw the linen clothes lying, yet he, yet went he not in. Then cometh Simon Peter following him, and went into the sepulchre, and seeth the linen clothes lie, and the napkin, which is about his head, not lying with the linen clothes, but wrapped together in a place by itself. Then went in also that other disciple, which came first to the sepulchre, and he saw and believed. For as yet they knew not the, the, sep, the scripture that he might rise again from the dead. Then the disciples went away again into their own home. But Mary stood without the sepulcher, weeping. And as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the sepulcher. And she had two angels in white sitting, the one at the head, the other at the feet, where the body of Jesus had lain. They said unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? She saith unto him, Because they have taken away my Lord, and I know not where they have laid him. And when she had thus said, she turned herself back and saw Jesus standing, and knew not it was Jesus. Jesus saith unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? Whom seekest thou? She, supposing him to be the gardener, said unto him, Sir, if thou have borne him hence, Tell me when thou, where thou hast laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus saith unto her, Mary. And she turned herself and said unto him, Rabboni, which is to say, Master. Jesus saith unto her, Touch me not, for I am not yet ascended to my father, but go to my brethren, and say unto them, I ascend unto my father, and to your father, and to my God, and your God. Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord and that he had spoken these things unto her. Account of the most amazing event in history. The most amazing event in history of the entire world. The resurrection. So what did the resurrection mean? What did it do? Turn with me in your Bibles. I'm not going to enlarge on John 20. We're going to go from there. Turn with me in your Bibles to Romans 1. I'm just going to mention a few things here today, and of course, this list cannot be exhaustive because we'd be here a long time, but just pointing out a few. The first thing that uh, I have listed here is that the resurrection proved 
that Jesus was who he said he was. Romans 1, 1 to 4. Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated unto the gospel of God, which he had promised afore by his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, concerning his son Jesus Christ our Lord, which was made of the seed of David according to the flesh. And this is the verse. And declared to be the Son of God with power, according to the spirit of wholeness, by the resurrection of the dead. He said he was the Son of God, and by his resurrection proved that beyond all doubt. And so, um, he was declared to be the Son of God with power. And that's a tremendous power that was displayed there that day. And only can, could become, could have come from God Himself. Number two, the resurrection takes care of our greatest need. Turn to Romans chapter four. Verse 20. He, we're kind of breaking into here. He, meaning Abraham, staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully persuaded that what he had promised he was able also to perform. And therefore it was imputed unto him for righteousness. Now it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him, but for us, for us also, to whom it shall be imputed. If we believe on him that raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead, who was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification. There's no way that you and I have, have, or could have, potentially in the future or the past the ability to take care of life's greatest problem and our greatest need and Jesus took care of that he was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification number three what did the resurrection do it answers the third of life's the third question of, of life's three greatest questions. And the first great question is, where did I come from? The second greatest question, why am I here? And the third one, where am I going? That's the three questions that need to be answered in life. And Jesus answered the third one. Now, I was... Uh, Turn with me to Job, chapter 14, as it's a little snippet of a verse there that Job asks a question. And I was thinking about that. You know, in our day today, because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we know without a doubt that it's possible to come, to go from death to life, because it happened. But back in Job's day, in Job 14.14, 14, 
Job asked the question, If a man dies, shall he live again? See, they didn't have a resurrection to look to. And so this is a legitimate question. If a man dies, shall he live again? So the resurrection to us proves without a shadow of a doubt that that's possible through the power of God. Jesus did it. It's possible to do it again. And so, Jesus proved by his resurrection that when we have a funeral and we lower the casket down into the grave and we put the lid on, put the dirt back on top, that that's not the end. There's no question in our mind. Will they live again? Absolutely they will live again. That's the basis of the Christian's hope. The grave is not the end. But if Jesus wouldn't have risen, see that question would still be niggling on our mind. Would it be possible? But today, we can say with finality, no problem, absolutely, it will happen. And so, Jesus simply made a statement, very straightforward, very elementary, extremely profound. He said, because I live, ye shall live also. There it is. The fourth thing that the resurrection does, it defeats Satan. In Hebrews 2, verse 14, it says this, For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same, that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil. And so, there again, who's going to win in the end? We know who's going to win in the end. We know it's possible to win in the end. It's proven. Man did everything possible to stop Jesus from raising from the dead. We talked about it in Sunday school. I mean, they put soldiers there. They did everything possible. But it wasn't possible. Jesus will win. He did, and he will continue to. And number five, it gives us hope. First Peter 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by what? The resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for every single person at Prairie Church who has given their life and heart to God. That's the basis of our hope. That's where it comes from. And because we have that hope, we know that we have inheritance that can't be snatched away from us. It's reserved. And the fifth one, it's a basis of the greatest mission on earth, which is the proclamation of Jesus Christ. 
And turn with me to Luke 24. We're going to read a few verses here. 24, verse 33 to 52. I kind of had to put read more verses to get this in perspective here. Luke 24, 33. And they rose up the same hour and returned to Jerusalem and found the eleven gathered together and them that were with him, saying, The Lord is risen indeed and hath appeared to Simon. And they told what things were done in the way, how he was known of them in breaking of bread. This was after, this is, this was the men from Emmaus was saying this. Kind of broke into the story here. And as they spake, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and said unto them, Peace be unto you. But they were terrified and affright. And suppose they had seen a spirit. He said unto them, Why are you troubled? Why do thoughts arise in your hearts? Behold my hands and my feet, that it is I, myself. Handle me and see, for spirit hath not flesh and bones as ye see me have. And when he had thus spoken, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they yet believed, not for joy and wondered, he said unto them, Have you any meat? And they gave him a piece of broiled fish and honeycomb. And he took it and did eat before them. And he said unto them, These are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. Then he opened up their understanding that they might understand the scripture, and said unto them, Thus it is written, this is what I'm after, Thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer, and to raise, to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all na- nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And ye are witnesses of these things. And behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tear ye in the city of Jerusalem until ye have been endued with power from on high. And then it says he led him out to Bethany and he was lifted up his hands and blessed them and he was carried up into heaven. The resurrection is the basis of the message. Because of the resurrection, the validity of the message of salvation for all mankind is there. What would we have to preach? Why would we even get together this morning? Why would you crawl out of bed? The people that get together, is it the Universalists or something? I don't know. They get together, they don't even really believe in God. I, I can't remember who it is, but I don't know why they would get together if they didn't have Christ to be the central point of their gathering. So, we marvel at the resurrection. We marvel at the power of the resurrection. Um, But the question comes to us this morning, and I don't think we doubt how much power was, how much power was displayed there that day, and how with all the events that transpired, we we don't doubt that. But the question comes this morning is, how should I expect that event to impact my life today? Like, how do we get the connection between way back there and this moment? 
What bridge is that? How does that power become, the power of the resurrection of Christ, become personal and a personal experience for me in my life today? How does, how do, what, how do we get that connected? How does that all work? So I asked the question, uh, very simple, who was one of the most profound, pronounced, prominent people, person in the New Testament aside from Jesus Christ? Paul. All right? So maybe we could ask, how did, what did Paul think about the power of the resurrection. How did he get it in his life? How did he experience it? He did not become a great person, a great tool for God just by accident. He had some comments on that. What led up to him experiencing the power of the resurrection? What was the view, his view of the results of that power? Turn with me to Philippians 3. Paul has some very profound comments about how that connection is between the power that Jesus displayed back then on the original resurrection morning, and how he experienced in his life. Philippians 3, and I'll start at verse 1. Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you, to me indeed is not grievous, but for you it is safe. Beware of dogs, beware of evil workers, beware of the concision. For we are the circumcision which worship God in the Spirit, and rejoice in Christ Jesus, and have no confidence in the flesh. Though I might also have confidence in the flesh, if any other man thinketh he hath whereof he might trust in the flesh, I more. Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, as touching the law of Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. Verse 7. But what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ, and be found in him not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. Now notice closely verse 10 and 11. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection. Paul's making connection that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being made conformable unto his death, 
if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. Not that I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after. If that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Let us therefore, as many be perfect, be thus minded. And if anything ye be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. Nevertheless, where to we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule, let us mind the same thing. Brethren, be followers together with me, and mark them which walk, so as ye have us for an example. For many walk, of whom I have told you often, and now tell you even weeping, that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame, who mind earthly things. For our conversation is in heaven, from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile body, notice that, that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body, according to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. Now I would just like to notice a few things in this, concepts in this passage. Uh, I like this, these verses, um, Philippians 3, 10, and 11, it was my mom's favorite verses, and so they mean a lot to me. Um, but today, I tend to want to know Christ and the power of the resurrection. Do you want that? Sure. We do, don't we? But the question that struck me as I studied this, is that the end of the goal? I want to know God. I want to know, I want to experience the power of the resurrection in my life. End of goal. Is that where Paul ended? No. Paul was wise enough and committed enough to know that serving Christ is a package deal. You can't pick and choose out of the package. You get it all, or you don't get any of it. So what's it say? That I may know him and the power of his resurrection. No, don't stop there. And the fellowship of his sufferings. Is there a connection between the power of the resurrection and the fellowship of the suffering?
Is there any connection in my life, in your life, with the ability to realize and experience the resurrection power of God and our ability to face suffering correctly? Just, just think about it. Does resurrection power come if I do not face suffering correctly? So I experience something negative and I respond wrongly to that negative event by feeling sorry for myself and feeding my own self-pity and becoming, setting up barriers to the person that offended me, and then I cultivate a little bitterness, and all at once I experience the resurrection power of God. No. Never happened. But, if something comes at me, and I suffer correctly. And I respond correctly. And through that suffering, I die to myself like Jesus died to himself when he allowed God to just take his life and do whatever what whatever he wanted with it because Jesus was willing to suffer and because Jesus was willing to die to his own plans to his own wishes to his own desires to everything and be able to lay it all down because of that he ended up in a tomb and in that tomb he resurrected, and because of the resurrection, there was a dramatic difference between the dying and the living. You get the point. So we look at Paul, and, and this is this is kind of a this is kind of a paradox. And I'm not quite sure how what to do with it all. But we look at Paul and we look at all the things that he experienced and he lists them all. I mean, he got whipped and he's in the sea and he was all these, all these trials and all these problems that he had and he had to care of the churches and, and, and this is a big long list. But guess what? God used that big long list to make Paul a tremendous servant of God. But it took difficulty to do it. So you may ask the question, so should I go around praying for difficulty? So I can experience the power of the resurrection? Well, we go back to the life of Jesus. Did he go around praying for difficulty? I don't think so. I don't think we need to pray for difficulty because difficulty will just automatically come. That's part of life. So, 
you got to get it anyhow. So the question is, what are you going to do with it? What am I going to do with it? Am I going to allow God to take whatever difficulty it may be, whatever, you name it, and through right responses, die to myself and become eligible for the power of the resurrection in my life. Am I going to do that? You see, we can waste our suffering or we can use it for God's glory. Uh, I think John Piper, I'm not sure if I read it, maybe I read it on the pulpit, Ten Ways to Waste Your Cancer. Did I read it on the pulpit? I, I just read it the other day. Powerful piece. And you can put whatever you have in there. Ten ways to waste your interpersonal relationship problem. Ten ways to waste your financial difficulties. Ten ways to to waste whatever you put in there what that problem is and and you can you can waste it or you can receive an additional portion of the power of the resurrection So can we come to the conclusion to receive the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ we need to go through all stages of what Jesus went through to get there. I'm proposing this question. Jesus suffered, he died, he resurrected, and he ascended. Right? So would it be fair to say to the point of us dying, we get the direct proportion of the resurrection power. Would be safe to say that. See, there's something about difficulty in life that uh, changes our perspective. Somebody calls it called it like an antiseptic. It destroys the germs of evil. I think we would all agree. that to the point of our dying, there is a connection between the point of dying and the point of, of resurrection power. <clears throat> Let's go over our baptismal vows. Do you believe in one true, eternal, and almighty God who is a creator and preserver of all things visible, of all visible and invisible things? And you and I said, I do. 
Do you believe in Jesus Christ as the only begotten Son of God, that He is the only Savior of mankind, that He died upon the cross and gave Himself a ransom for our sins, that through Him we might have eternal life? So, He died, we can have life. And you said, I do. Do you believe in the Holy Ghost, which proceedeth from the Father and the Son, that He is an abiding comforter, sanctifies the hearts of men, guides them into all truth, and you said, and I said, I do. Now, here comes the dying part and the resurrection part. Are you truly sorry for your past sins? Are you willing to renounce Satan, the world, and all works of darkness, and your own carnal will and sinful desires? That's dying. Are you willing to do that? And you and I said, I am. Do you promise by the grace of God and the aid of His Holy Spirit to submit yourself to Christ and His Word and faithfully abide in the same until death? You and I said, I do. And then after the baptism, when the minister says, in the name of Christ and his church, I give you my hand, arise. And as Christ was raised up by the glory of the Father, even so thou shalt walk in newness of life, and as long as thou art faithful and abidest in the doctrine of his word, thou art his disciple indeed, and shalt be acknowledged as a member in the body of Christ and a brother or, or sister in the church. So there's a direct connection in our baptismal vows of what we're willing to die to in order to get what God wants for us, to be raised up in newness of life. And and so this morning, the question comes to me, and the question comes to all of us. Am I willing to die so that I can live. Am I willing to die so that I can live? Or am I cheating myself by refusing to die? Do I believe That it's okay to expect God, Jesus, to do all the dying and me to getting all the power. No. We can't pick and choose. And so as we go through life, I'm not trying to paint a, a sad picture here because I can tell you what. When we work our way through by the grace of God and the help of God, through the dying process, there is that power that comes up in us, that resurrection power makes life worth living and makes life enthusiastic and makes life powerful and makes life worth living. And so let's not avoid the one to our expense. 
Let's allow God to work in our life however he sees fit. There's this old song, and I can't remember what it was. It is so old, and and that's been so long since I I listened to it. But there's a song, something like this, that I used to be in the driver's seat, but now I'm not anymore. I'm in the back seat and let Jesus do the driving. You remember that song? I don't know. Whatever it is. But... But but that's that's a that's kind of a that's kind of a challenging concept, you know. It's like I'm going to get in the back seat. I'm not going to be a back seat driver. I'm going to let God take me where He wants me to go, and let Him do the driving, and allow Him to bring resurrection power in my life as He sees fit. Back to verse. 20 and 21. For our conversation is in heaven, from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile body, that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body, according to working thereof he is able to subdue all things unto himself. That ultimate resurrection, that ultimate perfect time where we... we we, we shall all be changed. And, and that life will have complete, ultimate, and, and eternal security and happiness. And I want to be there, and I want to be ready for that day, and I hope all of us are.